Hello, I'm Evan Knappen and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, have you ever thought about how nice it would be to inherit a large collection of guns? Yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, huh? Or the opposite, you ever think about your large collection of guns and it being inherited and so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to tell you folks how to, some things you need to consider when dealing with inheriting of firearms. Because uh, as you know, when it comes to guns, there's always laws. And there's laws here, but these laws might surprise you. Let me tell you first about the federal law when it comes to inheriting firearms. If we're talking about non-NFA firearms, meaning guns that aren't machine guns and suppressors or silencers or SBRs or destructive devices, those things that are registered under the federal law, under the National Firearm Act, putting those things aside and talking about your regular firearms such as rifles, shotguns, and handguns, your non-NFA guns. Well, under federal law, those guns pass to the heirs with no paperwork, no NICS check, no 4473s, and they can transfer interstate without any problem, and they do not have to go through a dealer. So if you're the heir of a firearm, or the beneficiary, or you're actually an executor managing the firearms in an estate, the bottom line is the heirs can take those guns home with them under federal law without any necessity of going through a dealer or any paperwork. Now, this does not mean that the home state of the heirs or the beneficiaries that those laws are, are preempted. They're not. So the individual has to still obey the laws of the uh, states. But as far as federal law is concerned, federal law allows for the transfer to take place, essentially no fuss, no muss, no dealers, no paperwork, and no problem crossing interstate lines and they do not have to be shipped uh, dealer to dealer under federal law. Now, this does not mean that an individual who is a prohibited person, such as a felon or someone who has a domestic violence restraining order against them, or somebody who has a domestic violence misdemeanor conviction, or somebody who's been dishonorably discharged or has had a mental health commitment, or any of the federal disqualifiers, or as a fugitive from justice, etc., those persons cannot inherit the firearms, cannot take possession of the firearms, because they're still prohibited persons. But if you're not a prohibited person, then federal law does not bar you, and you can avoid any of the uh, formalities that we normally associate with acquisition of firearms under federal law. Interestingly, in effect, the paper trail ends with the inheritance. Now, many states follow this as well. 
Believe it or not, New Jersey does. Under New Jersey law, firearms pass to the heirs with no paperwork, no permits needed, no nothing. And so as long as the person's not a prohibited person, again. So in reality, in New Jersey specifically, if you leave your firearms to your heirs, you end the paper trail as far as Jersey's concerned and federal law is concerned, and the heirs take the firearms as uh, as they would any other property in the estate. So if you want to really leave a great legacy, leave your firearms to individuals who will appreciate receiving those firearms from you. You see, the, the uh, provisions that allow this and make this possible are very good, but individuals don't often estate plan properly with their firearms in mind. And so, for example, in New Jersey, if we take a typical situation, let's say there's a husband and a wife, and we'll just say a son, and we'll be sexist and say that the uh, father and son enjoy shooting together and they go hunting and they've gone to gun shows and you know they've had a great life of enjoyment of firearms together and everybody knows that dad's guns are going to the son it's understood mom has no problem with that she tolerated guns again we're being very sexist here but she tolerated their use of guns but it's fine the guns go to son everyone knows well, mom and dad have the typical arrangement in their wills where dad dies first, he leaves everything to mom. Mom goes first, he leaves everything to dad. But of course, statistically, uh, men die before women and the husband here following these stats predeceases the wife. And what happens? Everything that's dad's goes to mom. And because dad never said in his will, I leave my firearms to my son, mom gets the guns and all of the rest of the estate because everything, she's the beneficiary of the estate, goes to mom. So mom gets dad's guns, no paperwork, no registration, no licensing, no dealers, no 4473s, no fuss, no muss. All the mom who wants the son to have the guns. And since the son wasn't the beneficiary, the son has to do all the paperwork, all the licensing requirements, the registrations, everything. The son now has to do all that, whereas if dad had simply said, I leave my firearms to my son and the remainder of my state to my loving wife, everything would transfer to the son paper-free. And if the son lived in another state, he could drive down, pick up the guns, no problem under federal law, no problem under Jersey law. And he'd have to simply follow the law of whatever his home state is. And many, many states, there's nothing to do there either. 
So this is why you want to estate plan on the disposition of your firearms. Wouldn't you like to leave a legacy with no paper trail of your great gun collection to your heirs that truly love and appreciate your guns? And don't you want to save them the time, money, and hassle of having to go through, especially in states like New Jersey, the ridiculous licensing procedures? By the way, New Jersey has one gun a month. So if you want to leave your son that more than one handgun and you don't make him the heir in our hypothetical, he's only going to be allowed to acquire one of your handguns a month unless he puts in for a special permission, which is more paperwork, to allow him to acquire all your handguns at once. Still needs a pistol purchase permit for each one of those handguns, but at least he can make the acquisition in one sweep. And all that could be avoided here by simply planning correctly. And it also takes a burden off mom because she doesn't have to deal with having to do all the transfers and the paperwork required for her to do the transfers that she doesn't want any part of in our hypothetical. So you see, this is important to consider these things and to understand how the federal and the state gun laws work. And in your jurisdiction, you should check and see what your state gun law, because my understanding, I'm not a California attorney, but my understanding in California, you still have to register inherited firearms. You still have to take action on them. Whereas surprisingly in New Jersey, believe it or not, you don't. So those two jurisdictions are different, even though they're both infamous for their anti-gun laws and anti-gun rights position on just about everything. But so far, on the inheritance side, New Jersey's holding its own. When you consider what you need to do in the inheritance of firearms, you should try to have an understanding of the person who you're leaving them to that they're not disqualified from having the firearms because that causes complications. If the person's disqualified under Jersey law, the guns have to go to the police. You can then hold them. And that's always a challenge and a problem. So you really don't want to see that situation. Otherwise, you know, if there's nobody, if you have a situation where there's no one in your family that wants your guns, Nobody's interested in guns. They could care less. Then feel free to leave your guns to me. No, I'm just kidding about that, of course. I think that's even how, yeah, that's a soupy sales deal where you get in trouble, right? Or he got fired or whatever. Over No, but that's just a joke. But seriously, what you should do is make arrangements then in advance with instructions on how to have them sold so that they can be sold or auctioned to the proper places. Make sure you, you put the information down about the firearms so that the value and their unique characteristics can be appreciated with who they should go to to be sold. By doing that, your estate will get a maximum financial benefit. And even more importantly, the guns will go to folks that appreciate them. And they will not simply end up 
confiscated by the police or some other problem with them. So plan for this, okay? So if your people that or your loved ones don't aren't interested in guns, to make arrangements for their proper disposition and make it easy for the executor to handle that disposition by filling them in on the information. I can't tell you how many times as an attorney I have people that call me, they 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 inherited a whole bunch of guns. They have no clue what to do, how to handle it. They, they were left no instructions. They don't understand value, nothing. And they're just left with it where they are so vulnerable to being taken advantage of. It's really not good. You want to give them a heads up on what type of values to expect and where legitimate sources for auctioning or purchase of the firearms can be. It really makes a difference and the planning ahead on these legal issues and considerations will, will really pay off uh, for your, you and your, and your heirs and your, and your legacy. Very important. When we come back, I want to talk to you more about some interesting things I've experienced when dealing with the inheritance of firearms and and mistakes that I've seen people make. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey there. All right. So we're on a topic that I find uh, very uh, interesting because so many people never really think about this or they don't realize uh the need to think ahead for their inheritance and such. And I've had various cases where individuals have had problems regarding what to do and how to dispose of their guns and all kinds of things, left with uh, items that are prohibited and had, and, oh man, just, you wouldn't believe the uh, 
the situations that the executors and family members are left with because the person didn't properly plan. So you really want to do that and make this effort. Make the list of your firearms and explain these characteristics and values. Very, very important to do. So I have experienced as well individuals that inherit guns and want to get rid of them, and then they take steps to improve their value. Boy, that always... Uh, makes my skin crawl. You'll see folks that know nothing about guns. Even when you collect firearms, you find, you see this, individuals that take valuable collector's items and then they proceed to ruin them by cleaning them and fixing them. And uh, it's just heartbreaking uh, to see that. And so many times um, we encounter it because uh, of Folks that are dealing with the firearms don't or have no clue about what makes guns valuable and how the collector market works and how you want things to remain original. And uh, it, 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 it's just it disheartening when you see certain things done. As a matter of fact, this, of course, isn't a collectible firearm, but I can tell you a story that when I was younger, the... Uh, there was a newspaper that was local, and I still loved to collect firearms even when I was a young man. And I look in the newspaper, and they have free advertisements on on Fridays and free classifieds. And they allowed individuals, this was pre-internet now, you could advertise whatever you wanted as long as your maximum price was $50 or less. So I'm looking at this ad, and it says, Marlin Lever Action, 30, you know, 3030 Marlin Lever Action, uh, gun case, ammo, just cleaned $50 for, I'm like, wow, $50 for the gun and the ammo and all these, uh, just, it sounds like a great buy. So I call the fellow up, and he's, uh, Oh, yeah, I have it. Come on down, right? So I come to see him. He's pretty close to where I live. And I get in there, and he's like, look, he's got 10 boxes of 30-30. He's got the box that the scope came in. He's got a nice new gun case. And he unzips it and takes out this Marlin 30-30. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, $50 for all this. That's a fantastic deal. And he hands me the Marlin, and I go... At first, I go, whoa, a stainless Marlin 3030. And at that time, there was no such thing as a stainless Marlin 3030. Uh, the only gun stainless long arm on the market was the Ruger Mini 14. And I was like, when did they make a stainless Marlin? Like, I was just blown away. And then I looked carefully, and it wasn't a stainless Marlin. But the individual who had, quote, just cleaned it thought that cleaning a gun entailed going on a buffer wheel and removing all the bluing from the gun on a brand new gun virtually, removed all the bluing. So much so that when I was handed it, I thought I had a stainless steel gun. 
And I'm like sitting in my mouth, I go, I can't believe it. This guy removed all the blue. Yeah, I cleaned it, you know, like a wire wheel, you know, buffer wire wheel. Got it all off, cleaned it all off. And I'm like, oh, man. But for $50, it was still worth it. Even for a, you know, it's, hey, it's fully functional Marlin 3030 those days and all those accessories, still worth 50 bucks, even though it was, quote, just cleaned. And then I proceeded to uh, re-blue the whole gun and made it, you know, decent. But, man, that was really something, just cleaned. And you'd be surprised how many folks uh, do stupid things like that. And I've seen it not just on guns, but on knives. And you see great military guns, you know, that have been sporterized. I mean, at one time, military guns were cheap enough. People didn't think about it. They cut them down and turned them into, quote, sporting guns. Of course, ruining the historic and military value to it. Then you see folks that have taken collectible guns and had them nickel-plated. How nice. And it's like, oh, why did you do that to this thing? Nickel-plated? Oh, my God. It just makes you go crazy when you see it because they just ruined the value. Even re-bluing certain collectible guns. You know, you think, oh, I'll just re-blue it because look at the wear on it. But if it's an antique collectible... You re-blew it, you just ruined the value. Now it's re-blued, and you've, you've, you've spent money to make it worth less. Don't you love that? When people spend money and time to make it worth less. That's what you don't want to do with any collectible. You just don't, you, you need to, you have to know what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying there aren't ways to, restore a firearm properly, to clean it correctly, to preserve it properly. Sure, there are. But unless you know what you're doing, don't even touch it. Leave it to those that know. Don't even mess with it. Because so many times you will you will actually detract from it before you can actually increase its value. Now, I'm going to tell you some tricks that actually can help in restoring firearms. And again, if you're not familiar with any of this and don't mess with it, but if you do like to try to restore uh, firearms and other things, I'll tell you one trick that is really proven extremely useful. When you have surface rust, a little bit of surface rust or something you need to remove that's been there, you know, uh, over like oil that's caked on it or whatever. One of the best things for that is four zero steel wool. Four zero, okay? Not three zero, not two zero, not one. Four zero steel wool, super, super fine. And I found that you can rub four zero steel wool over a blued surface and it will not affect the bluing. Now, I'm not saying rub it like Superman, you know, with the thing. I mean, but gently with four zero steel wool, and you'll be able to, with a little bit of oil, your favorite oil, you will remove the, the surface rust, etc., 
and it will and it's delicate enough not to affect the finish and uh, you know i only suggest doing this at your own risk and pace and make sure you know what you're doing and it looks but i think you'll find that a useful tool is the four zero uh, steel wool a really something that has helped me to bring back many um, surfaces of blued firearms. The other trick that has really proven to me to be great is when you have certain wood, particularly wood that's been on military firearms, not so much sporting wood that's been glossy or really coated with some kind of gloss of uh, of, of, a, of a polyurethane or whatever coating. I'm not talking about stocks like that. You know, your, your fancy, real nice sporting stocks. But, you know, you get military guns with the wood stocks, and they're normally not treated with any kind of glossy finish. But you look at that wood and you say, boy, it could really use a little bit of a, of a, of a pepping up. And is there a way to do it without ruining the wood, ruining the value you know, suddenly making this military gun lose its character because you've put some modern finish. And one of the things a buddy of mine showed me that I found to be very useful is if you make a mixture of uh, half linseed oil and half turpentine. And I find that if you make that mixture of those two things and you rub that on military stock wood, wood similar to that, it really, really cleans it up, brings the wood out, makes it look really great, and the linseed soaks in and the turpentine just gives it a cleaning. And together, that mixture can really just enhance um, wood on particularly the you know untreated military-type wood that you might find on... Uh, uh, like an M1 carbine or an M1 Grand or uh, Mauser wood, etc. It can really make it pop. So again, I'm, this is at your own risk, and it's not. You know, I'm not saying anyone. Uh, you know, this is the magic bullet. But I found personally that that mixture is very effective, and you can even rub it on with a cloth, and then you can. Use a little four-zero steel wool back on it, and then put a little more on, and you can really bring out the wood beautifully without taking away its character, without destroying its um, its value. It actually can can enhance the value because it makes it look so nice without without it being um, uh, turned into some glossified, you know, shiny. Uh, thing that people go, oh my God, why did you do that to that? So these are just some of the tricks. But th and there are other things I'm sure many of you know as well that like to try to do restoration in the right way. And it's something that I've spent years doing and I know many of you have and there's an art to it and there are things that you never want to do that can ruin the gun. And that's why people that aren't familiar with firearms that try to do things to clean it and to bring it back uh, what they think to a, to a great look can often destroy it. And you don't want to fall into that category. 
So know what you're doing or don't do it. And the best is to leave it to those that are familiar and confident based on lots of experience and doing these things through their life. Um, so make your plans. Know your laws for inheritance. Don't be that guy that screws up some beautiful collectible and uh, cleans it, quote-unquote, or whatever, nickel plates it to make it look better. Oh, you know, or, or I just, here's a blade that's unsharpened, but it wasn't as sharp as I like it, so I put it on a stone, and then you get all the scratches on the thing. It's like, couldn't you just left it alone, you know, instead, oh, and then just scratching, or the best one with knives, they put it in one of those knife sharpeners in the back of the electric can opener. You know, it just grinds the hell out of it. Here's this great collectible U.S. military fighting knife that the guy felt he had to grind sharpen on the back of a can opener. You know, he's just doing that. Hundreds of dollars are just being ground away in value. Don't do that, please. These are the kind of idiotic things that just make us collectors cringe. So, all right, folks. Well, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws do not protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.